0: Shalom, welcome to Tanakh study. This is Alex Israel from Alon Shvut. Uh, today we leave the Mabul behind, we leave Noach behind, and we move and we progress into chapter ten of the Toldot Bene Noach, Shem Cham We are now not talking about Ele Toldot Noach, the children of Noach, but the children of Noach's children, the children of Shem Cham Yefet. and we're going to see here the um, 70 nations the expansion of humanity into many many different uh, national groups we have already seen how Sefer Bereshit is divided into books of Toladot uh, these are the if you want chapter headings of Sefer Bereshit already in chapter 2 verse 4 we had um, We had there, Eile Toldot HaShamayim Ba'aretz Bi The first book of Toladot, is the progeny, if you want, of Shamayim Ba'arets, In other words, man and woman and uh, their children. We then had in chapter 5, Zesefe Toldot Adam, which told the generations from Adam to Noach. We then had Eile Toldot Noach, which was the story of Noach's children. And encased in that was the story of the flood Maybe in that sense, Noach becomes the father of all humanity. And now we are turning to, here in chapter 10, verse 1, the Shem for And they had children after the Mabul. And here we're going to see how the chapter divides up into the three families. Um, verse 2 to 5 is the Bnei Yefet, the progeny of Yefet. Then we have the progeny of Ham. From verse six, pasuk vav, all the way through to pasuk chaf to uh, t- verse twenty, and then the progeny of shame. Um, it, from verse twenty one to verse thirty two, um, this these. Um, three branches of the Noah family. Are each described as splitting up, each according to their language, according to their families, according to their nations. Um, this is a, a refrain in the in the in the chapter. Uh, it appears again in verse twenty, according to their families, according to their languages, according to and uh, likewise with the descendants of Shame, Eile b'nei la according to their families, l'lshonoteihem baratzotam l'goyeihem. Which means that this is happening after the story of the Tower of Babel, which we're going to read in chapter 11. Um, it seems like um, the the chronological order is, is a little um, awry, and that uh, we're told about this expansion of humanity, and only afterwards told about... The story of Migdal Bavel of the Tower of Babel, um, however, if you look at verse twenty five we see there banim Peleg in his days in the days of somebody called Peleg the land, the 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 land or civilization right split a, split apart in 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 modern Hebrew, the word for a political party is a miflagah. Or we have in the Talmud, in the Gemara, "B'may um, Kamiflagi um, or "B'may kamipalgi." What are you arguing? It means a division. "Plag ha-mincha is the division of the period of Mincha. It's a, it's a half, and therefore a plug is always a, a chilek, the, the land split apart. So, this whole chapter is describing the world which dispersed into its various languages in the wake of Migdal Bavel. Of course, it started expanding into its families beforehand, but after the Tower of Babel, they really split apart into different groups. And, uh, of course, the key factor here is language, but we can imagine that the the different languages also brought in their wake um, a different sort of cultural temperament. Um, and maybe we will see, just like with the descendants of Lemech, who we saw way back in chapter 4, uh, we will see that each of the different groups here uh, have a different nature to them. So let's start reading through the chapter. Uh, but we start with verse 2, with B'nai Yefet, with the sons of Yefet. And we have a list here. Gomer, or Magog, O Yavan, V'yavan, Tuval, O Meshach, Tiras. I don't know if these names mean a huge amount to any of us. Yavan in modern Hebrew is Greece. Gomer, Ashkenaz, very of an Yavan Elisha the Kitim and and here we see an interesting detail from these different people i didn't translate the names cuz there's nothing to translate iye from these the eye uh, an e is usually an island the islands of nations in their lands in other words uh, they 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 were living amongst islands today Uh, one of you know we have uh, maybe the most familiar name here is Tarshish which was Yonah's destination frequently Tanakh talks about Oniyot Tarshish we say it in Tehillim it is mentioned in the book of Kings Um, so uh, these uh, uh, were the sea people or the people of the islands uh, each in their lands, with their own tongue, according to their own clans in their nations. It seems like Yefet live uh, on the sea. Um, they trade between different islands. They're trading people. Um, they're probably involved in in transport from one country to another. And uh, since they don't really inter- aren't going to interact with Am Yisrael very much. Um, they're not based on land and they're more remote uh, they have very very small coverage here from verse 2 only to verse 5 and we put them aside first, that's Bnei Yefet or Bnei Cham, and these names are going to be more familiar to us the sons of Cham are Cush, Ethiopia Umitzrayim, Egypt, Egypt, Uput, or Canaan or Canaan, Canaan, we'll see in a second or Bnei Cush and the children of Kush, we're dealing with the next generation. Sava the Khavilava Savta Vera'ama the the Sift the Savtachal, Vene Ra'ama, Shava Udadan. All different names of kingdoms or or, or, or national groups, uh, ethnic groups. The Kushalad, and now we have an interesting thing. The Kushjalad at Nimrod. Kush gave birth to Nimrod. Who He Khael Yotki Borba he began to be a mighty man. It would seem that's the translation in the world. Huhaah Gibord sighed Lifne Hashem. He was a mighty hunter before God. Alkan o mark Nimrod Gibbord sighed Lifne Hashem, and therefore there is a saying like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before God. Ba Mamlato Bandel, the Erech the aadd, the Chalnebit. So, the start of his kingdom was Babylon, and Erech, and Akkad, like as Cadian. All of them in the land of Shinar. Min from that land, which was Babel, Erech, Akkad, Kalnei, in Shinar. Yatsa Ashur, Vayivenet Ninvei, V'et Rechovot, Ir, V'et Kalach, V'et Resen, be Ninvei, V'en Kalach, he Ha'ir Hagdola That is the, 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 the large city. Is the large city Ninveh, or the other ones mentioned? U Mitzrayim, Yiladet, Agamim, Anamim, sorry, Vet Lahavim, Vet Nafetuchim, Vet Patrusim, V'at Kasluchim, Ashiatsumi Misham, P'lishtim, V'at So Egypt give birth to uh, a whole set of different uh, nations, all of them, by the way, uh, possessing a sort of plural form. Ludim, Anamim, Lahavim, Nafetuchim, Patrusim, Kasluchim, P'lishtim, Kafdorim. Um, we'll come back to the next paragraph in a second but what's this story with Nimrod? who is Nimrod? what are we saying about Nimrod and what do we might we be saying about the land of Ham because these names are much more familiar to us the land of Cush, Ethiopia, Mitzrayim, um, Ninve, Bavel all these names are very familiar from the Middle East these are our neighbours in the Middle East what is going on here? and here we see a fascinating debate about Nimrod um, let's start with Rashi who gives the most traditional reading that uh, it says that Nimrod was a gibor ba'aretz Rashi says lahamrid kol ha'olam al ha'kadosh baruchu that Nimrod's name means uh, Nimrod, let us rebel, mered a rebellion, and indeed he was a gibor, he was a um, he was a mighty man Um, but he was a mighty man in order to caused the world to rebel against God but Dor Rashi sees him as the ringleader of the Tower of Babel which in Rashi's view and in a traditional view brought him at Sanhedrin was a direct affront to God um, it says he was a hunter lifne Hashem. how do we read that according to Rashi Tzad da'atan he hunted people's mind and he was lifne Hashem. He was sort of in God's face. He was trying to rebel against God. Here, Rashi is bringing a tradition that Nimrod is somebody who was particularly evil and was associated with Migdal Bavel. There are very good reasons for associating him with Migdal Bavel, with the with the Tower of Babel. For example, it says that Nimrod started off in a land called shinar and interestingly enough as we will read um in chapter 11 verse 2 uh, the the tower of babel began shina'ar. Uh, so there we have a fascinating connection other interesting connections would be oh sorry the other thing mentioned is bavel, reshit mamachto bavel. of course migdal bavel um, he is described as building a city by even at Nimveh, he ha'ir ha'gdola in our chapter, and of course, along with the Tower of Babel, there is a city, ha'ir ve'et So, all of this seems to, and if we're talking about a period in which the land split apart into many different groups, Nimrod, whose name contains the word mered, who is a Gibor Ba'aretz, and of course, Migdal Ba'vel begins with the language, Vayhi Kol Haaretz, all the world were Safa or Dvarim Achadim. Maybe Nimrod is connecting to the Tower of Babel. That's Rashi's approach, and the Ibn Ezra entirely disagrees with it. He says, Altavakesh Tamla Chola says Ibn Ezra, don't be too bothered by names. If the reason for the name is not given, so his name is Nimrod. Maybe his parents liked the name. Don't pay too much attention that Nimrod comes from the root mered. Maybe he wasn't a rebel if it related to rebellion, the Torah would have told us. And he says, no. al What was Nimrod? He was a hunter. That's what it says, that he is a gibor size lifnei Hashem. He was a mighty hunter before God. And what does it mean, If Nehashem? That he says um Ibn Ezra would offer up his wild animals on altars to God. derech pshat says Ibn Ezra Vahadrash Derech Acheret. This is the way of Pshat, and the Drash has a different way. In other words, if you really want the Pshat, Nimrod was a good guy. Uh he would make altars to God and you know totally repudiates Rashi's approach. Ramban, as he frequently does, will take a middle line. Ramban can't abide by the fact that uh, Chazal, in general, have a negative view of Nimrod, and he can't accept Ibn Ezra for that reason. On the other hand, he's much more attentive to the actual language of Rashi, of the the Torah, more than Rashi, and he doesn't want to add in all of this uh, Midrashic content reading in that Nimrod is uh, somebody who is rebelling against God because it's not written here in chapter uh, 10. Again, I'll read the lines Nimrod Hue Chelyot he was a mighty man in the earth. He was a mighty hunter uh, before God, and that's why they say, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before God, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, the Erech, the v'ka, Akkad, the and Inshinar, and from that land he went out and built Nineveh, etc., etc., etc. And therefore, the Ramban says something different. And he says, In my eyes, the correct interpretation of Nimrod is, Nimrod was the first person to rule over others. He was the first person to rule by sheer might and brute force. He was the first sovereign, the first king. Until the, that day there were no wars and nobody had become a, a dictator or a ruler, an emperor. For First he had subjugated the people of Babel and then he went to Ashur and uh, did whatever he wanted there and built great cities including Ninveh. For Ramban he has a negative view of nimrod because he sees nimrod as the first conqueror the first person who rules by might and in this regard um he retains the negative view but doesn't draw that linkage with migdal bavel but rather reads simply the text here and says look at what this guy's doing he starts off in bavel but takes over city after city of city Ashur and ninveh and vet kalach vet resen hi Here we see, by the way, a strong association between the line of Ham and violence, control, building cities. And maybe this really defines who the line of Ham are. Ham are the line of the great civilizations, the conquerors, the empires. We continue with the line of Ham in verse 15. We have a list of many of these names who are the descendants of Canaan are familiar to us from the nations of Canaan, the Jebusites, the Emirates, the Girgashites, the Chivites, etc. etc. And now we have something surprising, Pasuk Yutet, it gives us the borders of the Canaanites. Mitsidon from Sidon, which is in Lebanon. Boach to Gerar, Ad Aza, till Gaza. Boachasedoma, all the way to Sidon, v'amora, Amora, ad adlasha, Ad sorry, till Laish, which is done. Eile What's amazing about these borders of Canaan, they are the borders of Eretz Israel. If you want, take four coordinates. done in the north, near today's uh, Mithula or Nechiriat Shemoneh. Go over to Sidon on the Lebanese border, moving uh, west. Then go south down to Gaza, from Gaza over to the Dead Sea, to Sodom and Amorah, and then straight up the Jordan Valley to Dan. More or less, that is the biblical land of Israel. Wow. We've just described uh, Canaan and the borders of Kana'an. If I want to summarise what Ham there are about, we are talking about Ham, but with a knowledge of what's going to come later, and we're talking about how this warlike kingdom of Ham are going to control the land of Canaan. They are going to probably be our adversaries. They're not going to look kindly on another nation trying to encroach on their territory these people already have warlike tendencies they have already populated huge cities they um have a country whose borders are going to be exactly the borders which are given later to the jewish people and i think this is already uh, prefiguring and giving us a sense of what is to come later on in the torah the third line of civilization is a shame Shame also gave birth, Avi The father of all the sons of Aver. Strange language. Yefet So Shame was the father of all the sons of Aver, and the brother of Yefet Hagadol. Well, we know Shame is the brother of Yefet. Why mention that? Bene shame who are the sons of shame Elam Ashur of approach V'aram, Aram Aram utz for good V'amash, gemash for shelach Veshelach yaladit Eivar, ol Eivar yulad lad banim, shem ha-echad pelek, ki b'yamav n'flagah ha-aretz, ochiv yoktan, v'yoktan yaladit al-modad, yoktan gave birth to elmodad v'et shalef, v'et mavet v'et yareach, v'et hadoram, v'et uzal, v'et dikla, Ovalvet oval, v'et avimael, v'et shuvav, v'et fear v'et chavila, yovav, kol ele b'nei yoktan. What signifies, if we said, Yefet live in the in the in the in the islands, they trade by sea. If Kham seem to be the warmongers, the people interested in political power, and also who control the land of Canaan, what's shame about? Truth is it's difficult to define What shame are really about, but I'll try and say two things. The first is that in the first line we already see a relationship of father and brother. There seems to be a strong family connection here I hope this is not stretching too much but in other of these genealogies we see no more than four generations here we see um, at least six generations here because we see for example Benay Shem is Elam, Ashorn, Apachshad uh, V'ludv Aram Aram gave birth to people Apachshad gave birth to Shelach that's already the third generation Shelach gave birth to Aver. Ava has two children one is Peleg and one is Yoktan and Yoktan has 13 children so we see a very strong family sense where we can go even six or maybe even seven generations and be aware and all the time it talks about brothers Um, maybe we're saying that shame has a particular identity um, connected to family uh, Professor Bustanay or said something even further. He says, "What is this idea of Aver? That shame gave birth, g- g- also gave birth. He is the father of all Benay Aver, and he suggested that Aver um, is the notion of La It's the idea that the the Ivrim, as Avram is later called Avram Ha Ivri, that the Ivrim are actually Ovrim. They actually are travelers." They are wanderers, they are nomads. Um, that they don't necessarily, and here we might, uh, before we even saw, that Shame have ohalim, they have tents. People who have tents usually pick up and move from place to place. Could it be that the Bene Ever, the Ivrim, were actually nomads. And this might explain why later on in the Joseph stories, the Egyptians despise the Evrim, the Egyptians who were farmers, who were fixed in place. Farmers frequently hate uh, nomadic people, um, in which case we have a sense of shame as somebody who isn't interested in building big cities like Cham, is really the opposite of Cham, is happy to wander around in a far more modest way, but is very committed to family. We are now already in chapter ten, verse thirty. Parak Yud Pasuk Lamed Mimesha Ba'Chas Har Kedem. The way they're described, this family of shame, again, is that they don't necessarily have a fixed place. But it says that uh, their settlements, or they lived from Mesha till Safar in the eastern highlands. It it's not clear whether they really have a. Fixed place at all, and we end off with the conclusion. <speaking in Hebrew> these are the families of the son of Noach, um, the, or maybe other translated translated by Robert Alter as these are the clans of the sons of Noach, according to their families or their lineage in their nations and from these nations branched out the whole earth after the flood. We are now going to turn to the story of Migdal Bavel which is a very powerful story we really could spend an hour or two on this story but uh, since this is connected to this entire narrative I think it's worthwhile us Running into this story um, and already reading it and seeing what we could say about this story very quickly. Uh, chapter eleven, Parakud Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. Hat Udvarim Achadim. The world was one tongue, one language, Udvarim Achadim, literally and one word, one set of words. Maybe we should say one set of ideas. When they traveled from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar, and they lived there. The people said one to another, Hava, come, let us take uh, make bricks. They burnt the bricks, and now they were instead of stone, artificial stone, bricks. And the mud was for them as cement. Let's make a city and a tower with its head in the heavens. Let us make ourselves a name. Lest we be scattered. This is what the people do. Seems very reasonable. They're, everybody speaks a single language. They find a valley. They build, make bricks. They decide to build a city and a, and, a, and, a, and a tower so that they not be scattered over the face of the earth. Here's the tipping point now. Many people have shown the chiastic structure, the symmetrical structure here. They say, let us build an ear migdal with its head in the heavens. As if they can almost reach God. Now God comes down to see the ear and the migdal which humans have built they are one people and one tongue and this is what they have begun to do and now he says um, nothing that they do will prevent them they'll be able to do anything let us mix up their tongues that one will not be able to understand the other. God scattered them over the face of all the earth, and they stopped building the city. And that is why the place is called Bavel, Kisham Balal, Hashem Sfat because their God mixed up. Notice Balal like the marble, um like the marble maybe, Sfat Haaretz, the language of all the world, Sam, and then he scattered them what is really going on here why is this a sin might we say that Migdal Bavel is a sin how should we understand it here of course there is a whole plethora of attitudes one of the attitudes uh, or the explanations is that actually they were rebelling against God they wanted to climb up to heaven Midrash Rabba quotes a view which says they said Why should God have the heavens and us the lower world? We want to be in the higher worlds and we're going to go and fight with God. Another option says they said every 1656 years the sky falls in. Referring to the marble. Let's build the supports for the heavens. Um, is there something wrong with trying to support the heavens? I have to say this might be ill-advised, since they put the support in a valley rather than on a hill. But what is going? What is really going on here? I say this in particular because they seem like a wonderful, wonderful society. When you read the narrative, they seem so unified. Safaachat, one language, tvarimachadim. They share the same ideas. They keep on talking in the plural. HAVA NIL BUNALA LET US uh, MAKE BRICKS Havanivna LANU IRU MIGDAL in fact Rashi reflects upon this and says we have two sins in our parasha one which is the generation of the flood and here the generation of the dispersion why are the flood all drowned but this generation if they and Rashi thinks they were attacking God were not drowned and he says because the generation of the flood were violent, and there was strife between them, and they were destroyed. But these behaved with love and friendship. Ahavah <laughs> and therefore we learn sanoi hamachloket v'gadol hashalom. Discord is hateful; peace is great. I reiterate the question: What is wrong with this tower and city? Why did God get involved? What was happening here? I'd like to suggest two directions. The first relates to uh, verse 3, where the people talk about making bricks. Let us make bricks and let's burn them in a furnace. And the next thing they do with these amazing bricks is they decide they're going to make a city and a tower with its heads in the heaven, and we will make ourselves a name. Many see this as a sign that this was a technologically advanced society in a deluvian plain like Bavel. You have no option to build very much because you build out of, there isn't any stone. You build out of clay, maybe reinforce it with straw, but the rains come along and they can dissolve what you've made. Suddenly, this society discovered the ability to make bricks. What a technological breakthrough. Artificial stone. And they decide to take this huge technological advance and build a city and a tower with its heads in the heavens and let us make ourselves a name. Suddenly, this society, which was so unified, has become unified around technolog- technological advancement. And uh, suddenly, we worry about this society because they seem to be saying, Nase l'anushen. It's all about our society, and we wonder what is beyond their society. The rabbis come along in Perkhead Rabbi Eleazar and said, If a man fell off the tower and died, nobody paid attention to him. But if a brick fell down, everybody in... In other words, technology became everything, people became disposable... This society which had become so unified was a society which couldn't see any uh, any sort of uh, gentleness any humanity beyond their technological achievement and that became everything. In this regard, God wants to dismantle this society. This is a godless society which sees its human beings as supreme, seems to, sees human ingenuity as everything and God decides to intervene just to show them how fragile humankind can really be. God doesn't want to create a society where human beings make themselves into an idolatry, where technology becomes something which subjugates humans or suppresses God out of the picture. And maybe indeed this is the interpretation of the Midrash which says that they wanted to support the heavens to... Um, prevent another flood they thought that they could insulate themselves from any of the forces of nature they would stop another flood they could fight God because now humankind has become technologically supreme this sort of modernistic aspiration of the majesty of man but that majesty of man can become demonic and talking of demonic I'll relate to another stream of thought, and this goes back to this notion that the society the uniformity of language the safa achat udvarim achadim the city is a means to concentrate the people geographically but the nativ says that the tower was a was a was a point in which to spy on the people spy on the people i know that sort of sounds like a very strange concept but uh the Natsiv turns round and talks about the idea that the people are scared to let anyone leave their city. They say, "Lest we shall be scattered all over the world." And the Natsiv says that they feared that since not all human beings think alike, they were scared that this. Remember, their society is centered around Safa'achat, one language, Udvarim Achadim, and the same ideas. They were afraid that some would leave and uh, adopt different thoughts. So they saw to it that no one left their enclave, and um, in this reading, God is very, very disturbed by their singular ideas. In fact, the narrative goes even further, and it says he says it's it's inconceivable that there would only be one city in the whole world. But they wanted that all cities would be connected and subsidiary to their city. And in fact, the watchtower was there. He said they put. Guards their military people there to monitor the residents and keep them all in line. Here we have um another interpretation of what it means to have a tower with its head in the heavens. It's a desire to control, to be all powerful. Um, this is why the rabbis see this as a, a as a a rebellion against God. Um, there's an aim to dominate other people, and this is expressed through 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 a singular language a a single speak there is a big brother and totalitarian uh, regimes are always very scared about free freedom of the press free dissemination of information open internet and what have you because once you open things up you allow for new ideas they wanted only safa achat for achadim what does god do he does exactly the opposite he gives them new Everybody has different languages, different languages engender different ideas. Suddenly the unity of society is dismantled, and the people simply abandon their project to build that city, that metropolis, that tower, because suddenly they realize they have little in common. Suddenly as their ideas begin to develop, they go in a new direction. This then is an argument for incredible diversity then Kadesh uh, Baruch is looking just like he said be fruitful and multiply and fill the world God doesn't want everybody to be concentrated in a single place God doesn't want man just like Eve in the Garden of Eden sinned because she wanted to be like God knowing good and bad likewise these people want to supplant God by feeling that they can unseat God that now they through their technology have the ability to Uh, offer resilience through any of the forces of nature god is described as coming down to look at this tower that the people think is so so high he has to come down to see it it's so you know petty it's so small and he says i'm just going to adjust the way they are and suddenly they will stop building the tower and the city This is the story of Migdal Bovell. We're going to engage in a little more analysis about this next time, but our time is up for now. Look forward to learning with you again tomorrow.